0: We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Justine Grief, recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Well, um, it's my privilege to speak this morning and I'm excited about what God's going to do in you and through you. You know, we um, have, I've got three kids. Jake and I have got three kids. Josh just turned 10 this week. Daniel, who's eight. And Chloe, who turns five in October. And Josh turning 10, God said to me about a week or so ago, you know, remember what it was like 10 years ago, like a decade ago. And I was remembering being really Big waiting, you know, people, guys out there. I had people say to me, Are you having twins? And I was like, No. And they're like, Are you sure? And I'm like, Yes. Are you saying I'm fat? Like, quit it. Don't make comments like that when you find pregnant women. Anyway, so I was remembering how big I was and anticipating this um, boy arriving because we knew he was going to be a boy and just what life would look like. And I was excited. And God said to me, Now think about what has happened in the 10 years. And I started to just jot down in my journal. All that God has done in and through us. And I was just blown away. Because, you know, 10 years ago, I could never have asked or imagined for what God has done. And that is is a scripture. It says we can't ask or imagine. You know, God will do exceedingly more than we could ask or imagine by His work through, in and through us. And you know, I just it makes me really excited about the next decade to come. I can't quite believe I'm the parent of a 10-year-old, um, but I'm really thankful for him and for all of our kids and for what God has done in that 10 years. And so if I can even from the outset encourage you, spend some time with God this week and look at what he has done, reflect on it and give thanks to him because he is amazing and he truly does exceedingly more than we can ask or imagine. And um, it's in that, and often in just the journey of life, God teaches me things. And over these last few weeks, we've been, as a church, going through a series about hope. Pastor Will has been bringing some amazing messages, which if you've missed some of them, or this is your first week, I encourage you to find out how to get the recordings and to listen to them. But he's coined a phrase, Hopin' that hope opens realities of heaven to us. And I just want to continue on that theme because I think God's depositing something in us that we need for this next season. He's depositing something in us so that we can impact our world as he's called us to. And one of the the ways that God's taught me about hope over time has come out of that journey of being a parent and um, two boys first, building a lot of wooden train sets. And if I could have that first image up, for me, for a while, it was like, how do hope and faith work? Like, what's the difference? Because they kind of felt like a little bit like the same thing. But God just really said to me, like, um, 1 Corinthians 13, which Pastor Willis preached out of, talks about faith, hope and love. And really God just said from that kind of train track analogy that love is the foundation we build on. We love God and we love others and everything we do must be founded on love. But then in terms of hope, hope is the plan we build to. It's knowing that as we build that we're going to create this track, that we're going to bring some of the kingdom of heaven to life on earth. And so hope is the plan we build to. It's the knowledge that God is good and that His purposes will prevail and we will see His plans come to pass. But faith is the process of putting the train tracks down. It's the, where well, you've got the plan in mind or you've been asked to do something from God and maybe you don't even understand the fullness of His purpose, but you know that He's asked you to play a part in it and so you put the tracks down. And, and you've got faith that as you build, there'll be enough tracks to do what He's asked of you that those tracks will be able to take the trains over. And so the faith is the action, the building towards the hope that we have, and it's all founded on love. And so I wanted to bring this analogy up to you guys, because I'll refer back to it throughout the course of my message, and I wanted you to have that visual of what it means to to build to the plan and where our hope sits. But from a practical level, um, you're like, well, okay, that's what faith, hope and love is, but how does that look in action? And so for me, you know, just in my life, I have the privilege of leading the Red Frogs team in Dunedin, and it's us as equippers. we're partnered with four other churches, um, carry out the work. And if you haven't heard of Frogs, um, we really exist to safeguard a generation. So we've got a generation of uni students who are amazing. They're our future doctors, lawyers, teachers, they're going to influence this nation and probably some of the nations of the world as they lead us, and they'll be part of our future And um, part of our role is safeguarding, so we're in places like Hyde Street, we're in the events and we're providing water, food, we're being a safe person and help people get home if they get in trouble. And the heart of that is to safeguard people so that one decision or one unfortunate situation doesn't shortcut their destiny or doesn't end up, they've gotten out from making a decision they might regret for the rest of their life. So that's part of it. And then another part of it is that we want to provide them an opportunity to know um, the community of God that we know. Because I know when I came down to university, I didn't know God. I believed in him, but I had no idea how to connect with him, how to find a church, how to how to get to know the community of faith? It wasn't until I met someone in my hall that gave me that opportunity. And you know, I know that it was something I desperately hungered for. I wanted to know more about God, but I just didn't have the avenue. And so, frogs are people that are. Um, our crews are all university students, and they're connecting and they're giving people that opportunity to know God like we know Him. And so, you know, our hope is that we again safeguard a generation. The the plan we're building to is that we can bring some of Kingdom culture so. If for me, when I came down to uni, what I, what I learned about how to fit in, how to belong, was to go and drink, go and be part of the parties, do what everybody else did, and so that's what I did, because I wanted to fit. I wanted to get along with my friends. I wanted to be a part of that. But actually what I really deeply desired is just friendship and having fun. And so what frogs do is that they go into the halls and they're a positive peer influence. And they say, we'll be there to help keep you safe in those environments. But also, if you want to have fun in a different way, we're here too. And so we often do a whole lot of other things that enable like playing board games or going out to cafes or all sorts of things and so for me my hope is because I know that's the reality of the kingdom of heaven that kingdom culture says we accept everybody that we are a community wherever we've come from and there's a place for everybody and I want that for every student that comes to the city I want them to have a place to call home and so the plan we're building to the hope that we have is that we can bring that kingdom reality to our city but the faith, the action step is actually all those crews out there providing water, is those crews in the halls. And sometimes it's the like, the God, I trust you for the pieces. Because even as recently this, this week, we were invited into City College to talk to the um, person that heads up all the pastoral care and the welfare of the students. She said, how come we haven't got frogs? And Kelsey and I just said, because you haven't asked. And, and we haven't approached them to date because we didn't have a crew sitting there ready to go. And so she asked us about frogs. We tell them what it is. I said to her, even as simple as if you've got students that have come out down that are from Christian backgrounds and they want to get connected to a church, we are, because we're five churches, we can connect them to a church. So she's like, this is amazing. We'd love it. And now Kelsey and I are like, awesome, we want to be there. You, it, this is great. It's a win-win. How are we going to find the crew? Because we haven't got a crew sitting ready to go. So at the moment, we're like, we've got a hope. We've got a plan. God, where on earth are the pieces (laughs) to put this into place? And so if you're praying for us, pray for workers. Because you know that scripture that says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We now want to see a crew raised to be able to go into City College and provide what we are providing and all the other colleges for them as well. And so... You know, and, and pray that these people, because on a regular weekly basis, they have the opportunity to do this for their peers. And we've got some amazing dedicated crews. And you know, I, um, something else that I often hear when I talk to the heads of colleges or even the police or the St. John's is that they love our volunteers because they genuinely serve from a motive of love. In a, we've got amazing crews. You can be really proud of our crews that go out. They, they are struck by just their great attitudes. But also they often say to me, the atmosphere shifts when your crews come. So they recognise that they carry something different. And I, I haven't planted that language. They're saying to me, hey, the atmosphere shifts when your crews come in. So um, pray that that continues to happen so that we can see the realities that we're believing for and hoping for here on earth. So that's for me how hope, faith and love work together. And Pastor Will again talked last week about hope being an anchor. And, and I really wanna pick up on that and say, hope anchors us to the realities of heaven. Hope anchors us to the realities of heaven. Because the truth is in life, we all encounter troubles or trials. If you haven't yet, I'd be very surprised. But if you haven't, I'm sorry, that's, that's just part of life. It doesn't always go according to plan. Someone bulldozes over the track you're building, or you just run out of pieces, or it's just, you're like, how do I do this? How do I get, connect those two pieces together? And trouble comes our way, and it's at that point that hope's the hardest. Because when all of your circumstances don't, aren't going according to plan, don't look what you like what you intended, how do you still anchor yourself to the realities of heaven, I know there's been many situations in my life where I've faced that. And I think you come to a fork in the road where as a Christian, you can either go, if that's gonna happen in my life, where's God? I'm out. You know, I can't, I can't reconcile the God I read about in the Bible and the trouble I'm facing. That's one fork. The other fork is you lean into him and you say, God, help me. You anchor yourself in the reality of heaven and you say, I am trusting to put my hope in you no matter what's come across my way. And so one example from Jake and my life is after we had so we had those two boys, and then we were pregnant with our third child. And who knows, mums out there know that you you've already gone there in your head. That baby was due in November. I'd thought about where they were going to sleep. I thought about how we were going to make space in our life to accommodate a newborn. What I'd have to shift. Who I could get to help me with some certain things over that little newborn period. Um, You know, I in my head we were having a baby in November and life was going to shift to accommodate. And then we went to go for our 13-week appointment and scan, and there was no heartbeat. And so we'd miscarried, or, you know, the baby had died. And all of those plans, all of those thoughts, all those hopes, all those dreams just completely got bulldozed over. And in that moment, I'm at this fork, and it's like, I know, that you know, when, when you're expecting for children, you know that's a possibility, but no one, I don't think, entertains that that's going to be their reality. And it's like, what do I do? Do I go, God, how could you let this happen to me? I trust you. And do I walk away and go, I'm not interested in a God that, that allows that to happen to me? Or do you lean in? And for me, I'm not perfect. There are times I'm at that fork and I'm having a bit of a tantrum. I'm like, God, what is this? Like, this is not fair, you know, and the rant comes out and he is gracious. You can rant to God if you need to, to be able to make the right choice at that fork. He is the safest person to go to and to really say, I, I'm struggling, but I chose to lean into God, and you know, he was amazing, for me, up to that point, I'd, I'd believed that those babies went to heaven, I'd believe that it wasn't God's plan, that this isn't what, that what God intended, but it's part of broken humanity, but you know, when I faced it myself, I was like, do I really believe that? Do I believe that, that this baby's with God in heaven and that this isn't what God planned? And God took me to a scripture in Job where um, Job is kind of in the middle of a trial and it says, it would have been better if I was asleep and at rest, so as if I'd never been born. And God just said to me, your, your child is safe. Your child is with me. You can trust me, and it just brought the peace I needed to go. Actually, in the middle of all of this, I trust you, God. I know this wasn't your plan, but I can anchor to the reality of heaven that says this isn't your plan, but that you have, you've got, um, you've. The reality is that child is better off with you, and um and so, I and for me even going forward from that because then as you know the story we had two boys lost this one we had a daughter. So I could have gone right. Because our boys were awesome. And we were like, we're quite happy. But there, I always, we always felt there was a third child. It's like, do we take the risk? Because two kids is enough. More than enough sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, do we take the risk to go down this road? Because what happens if we lose a baby again? And before I even got pregnant with Chloe, God said to me from 1 Samuel, um, I think it's chapter 6, where Hannah was going to the temple. And she couldn't have a child. And every time, her husband, in those times, husbands could have more than one wives. You can't now. But yeah, they, she, he had two wives. And the other one had had kids. And in those times, your kind of worth as a woman was whether you could produce children. It's not so much anymore. But it, in that time, it was. And so Hannah couldn't have any children. And this other wife kept coming along. And she had children. And she provoked her. And she made her weep. And God just said to me, he said, do not let your rival provoke you. So before I went into the next pregnancy with Chloe, God had already told me the reality of heaven that was that that child was going to live, wasn't going to lose it. And if ever the doubt came in, not to let the enemy provoke me and just to go, no, God has said that this won't end in death. And so, you know, I had that anchor that despite what I was facing, I was like, no, I'm going to choose to claim the reality of heaven and walk this out with God and trust him. And I don't know about you, what fork in the road you might be at because it can be in business. Man, God, I thought you promised that I was going to prosper. It's not looking so good. It might be in finances as well. It could be that you're facing an illness and you're like, where do I go with this? Like Libby carrying that fatigue, but God actually had promised, she knew that he was going to heal her what about, it could be an attention in a relationship or in your marriage or, you know, parenting from time to time. Things aren't going according to plan and you worry about your kids. What is it that, you know, what fork where you could go, God, if this kind of trouble's there, where are you? Versus, God, what is the reality that I can hold to so that I walk with you in this rather than walk away from you? And so we, what we're going to do this morning is go to a book of the Bible called Hosea. And it's an amazing book. It's where people find themselves, the nation of Israel found themselves in a place of hopelessness, in a place of trouble. But God came and spoke to them and gave them hope amongst it. But it's even more amazing than that because it's actually a um, metaphor, the whole book, of our relationship with God or God's relationship more with us. God asked this prophet, Hosea to marry a prostitute as a picture of God's relationship with his people, the Israelites. And he wanted to show that Hosea would remain faithful to her and would keep taking her back, even though she kept being adulterous and going away, then coming back to him, going away, coming back to him. And the metaphor is, that's what God is for us he never leaves or forsakes us. He's always there. He's always faithful. He's always waiting. Not just to he's not just there. He's waiting with yeah. arms open wide, ready to receive us, and we walk away. We are unfaithful to him. And you might go, if you've read this story, you might go, well, Goma, who was this um, prophet's wife, the prostitute, she went and she was serving false gods and statues and worshipping all of those kind of things. We don't serve false gods now. That's what they did. But you know what? We might not call them gods, but how often can we be unfaithful to God because we put our security in money or because we care more about what people think than being true to God. So we compromise a little bit to keep popularity with friends or to get that promotion or to have the security of our finances. And so we make these small decisions that mean we're not as true to God as we know that he would like in order to keep these things okay. That's exactly the same because, you know, idolatry isn't necessarily bad things. It can often be good things, but it's when they become more important to us than God Then they become idols. And then it is that we've been unfaithful to God. But the truth is that no matter how far away we find ourselves, God is waiting, arms open wide, ready to receive us back. He will never give up on you. And this is the picture we have in this book where these verses that are going to come up behind me come from. In Hosea, verse 2, 14 to 15, Goma, the woman, has gone off. She's been unfaithful. She's with false gods. And yet God says, says, like Hosea, the picture is he's there ready to take her back. But God is saying to the nation of Israel, to us today, Therefore I'm now going to allure her. I will tend to her in the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. Sorry, I'll lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. When it talks about alluring, it talks about wide open spaces. So often, I don't know about you, but when I find myself in a place of trouble, often it consumes me and that's what's got my vision and I can't see the way out. It's like all that I can think about is what is facing me at the moment and how it, it's not right and I want to be free of it. You know, the loss of the baby, for the example that I gave. And yet this says God takes us to wide open spaces where we can see beyond that, where we get a vision for what where God is at amidst it all. He tenderly speaks. That talks about not only the fact that He's really waiting with arms open wide, but when you look into the root word of that word tenderly, He speaks to our hearts and emotions and He instills courage. So He, he gently speaks to us, but He also puts courage into us to face the trouble. And the reason I say it's our trouble is because that valley of acor acor means trouble or disturbance. So in the place of trouble... God can, calls us to see beyond it, and he tenderly speaks to us, and he speaks courage into us. And it says he gives, he'll gives, he make the valley of Achor, the place of trouble, a door of hope. So he opens up some hope to us. Now again, the word hope is, speaks of a cord or an attachment, like a lifeline, something you can cling to. And again, last week, Pastor Will spoke about an anchor. And a ship's anchor, and that's what hope is for us. It talks in Hebrews about being an anchor to our soul, and it got me thinking about an anchor that you use in climbing. Now, I've done a little bit of climbing, not heaps, so if I, some of what I say is not technically correct for those climbers out there, apologies. But I think you'll get the analogy that the that, that, that hope for us becomes an anchor. And if that next picture comes up, it's what when you're climbing, you you anchor yourself to this top. Part and you're the rope that you pull yourself to is anchored further up ahead, and so that's what hope is for us. It anchors us to the realities of heaven, it secures us to what God has said in the midst of that trouble, and that's what God does for us in the midst of that trouble. He provides a doorway of hope, He gives us lifeline. He says, come on, put your hope in me, like he did when we were about to, um, before I was even pregnant with Chloe, he said, do not let your rival provoke you. He gave me the anchor to hold to throughout that entire pregnancy to know that as you can see, we would have this beautiful girl. As a result, we wouldn't lose her. And so there's, recently I was at a conference um, where Pastor Joel Holmes spoke and he put a simple picture up that just really describes and has helped me to understand how that anchor works and it's helped me to, God's regularly reminded me of it in terms of my prayer life and lots of things, so I want to share it with you. So in the next slide you'll see there's a line across and then underneath is life on earth, above is the kingdom of heaven. And so often in our trouble, that's in, like below the line in life on earth and the things that come against us, whatever it might be, in terms of illness, miscarriage, business, whatever it is, those troubles are there. And then the kingdom of heaven is God's plan and purpose through it. We even heard it with the scripture Pastor Will brought about Jesus. He went through a whole lot of suffering here on earth so that the plan of God could come to pass. And what we as Christians need to do is anchor ourselves to what God's plan is in the midst of it, because that gives us the doorway in that trouble. And um, it secures us. I think of the example of Abraham in the Bible. He had a wife who was a 100 years old who had not yet had a child. And God says, through her, you're going to have a child and then you're going to have descendants as numerous as the sands of the seashore or the stars in the sky, you know. If I was Abraham, I'd be like, um, "God, she's a hundred. She hasn't quite had any kids yet. The chances of this happening pretty slim." He's standing at that fork where he can choose to believe God, anchor to what God's spoken, to the kingdom reality, because life on earth certainly does not stack up to that promise coming to pass. And we actually see the grace of God in Abraham's story because his wife encourages him to try and make it happen. And, you know, with from an earthly perspective by um, having a child with their servant. He's she's like, oh, well, we could have a kid and God could do his plan through that, thinking below the line. Yet God always intended it to be Abraham and Sarah's child. So the kingdom of heaven perspective, the purpose and plan of God was for that child to come from Abraham and Sarah. And you do see when you look at the story of Abraham, he leans into God. And that plan does come to pass. But often life on earth consumes us and we need to get to that kingdom of heaven reality. Hope anchors us to that reality. And so we see, after talking about the example of Abraham, in Hebrews 6, verse 18 to 20, it says this. We who have run... For for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised oath with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual life for line, reaching past all appearances, no matter what life on earth looks like, right to the very presence of God, where Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us in the order of Melchizedek. God has gone ahead of us, and he is who we anchor to. If we go to that climbing picture, again, I think that hope, hope is the anchor, the lifeline, but often faith means that we keep taking the steps. We can't actually see the the anchor that we're climbing to. We've got the rope, we're clinging to it, we're clinging to that lifeline, but we can't see how God, like Abraham couldn't see how he and Sarah could have a child but he kept walking in faith. And then eventually it came to pass. And so what, that's how our faith acts out is that we keep taking step after step, clinging to that lifeline, knowing no matter what we see that God can do it and trusting in him. And I think the biggest thing for me that changes when we're kingdom of heaven focused, when we're anchored in that is how we pray. So if we go back to that picture of life on earth and the kingdom of heaven above it, When we pray from a below-the-line perspective, from the perspective of life on earth, we come across a trouble, say it's in parenting, and your child, you can see them about to make choices that you're like, oh, that's not the future I planned for them. Perhaps they're being swayed by those peers to go over here and start to put priorities on that rather than you know what choices they'd actually want to make. Like I did when I came down to university and went, I want to fit in, so I'm just going to do all of this. But actually, my mum would have known that's not really what I wanted, but I did want friendship. And so you're standing here, and as a parent, and if you believe, you might start going, well, God, I pray that you give Justine, Christian friends around her, that you'd surround her with people that can influence her to do the right thing. I pray that you would, um, you know, maybe when she's about to go to to party, you just stop her. Or (laughs) I pray that she wouldn't drink too much. You start praying from the perspective of the trouble, and there's nothing wrong with those prayers. God hears those prayers and often he answers them. But you know what? The, the real power comes when we engage with the purpose of God. We start praying from a kingdom of heaven perspective. And so instead of praying that I wouldn't, if you were my parent, make those choices or that I'd have Christian friends so that I'd have another friend group to connect to, a kingdom prayer would be, I pray that Justine understands her call in you. I pray that Justine would start to influence those in her hall for God. I pray that Justine would start to be able to see um, the choices that she's making and choose, you know, and she would understand the impact of them so that she can make ones that she's not going to regret in 10 years time. And so from a kingdom of heaven perspective, you're actually calling out the purpose and the plan rather than just trying to ask God to get rid of the trouble. When, you know, with our finances, God, I pray that I just receive the finances. No, I pray that I, or a promotion at work. You're up for a promotion. God, I pray I get that promotion over, you know, that God, you'd do that for me. It would be awesome if I could have that promotion. God, just please give me the promotion. Kingdom of heaven is like, I pray that I would get that promotion so that I can have more influence in my workplace. So that I can lead these people the way you lead people, that I can serve them. I pray I get that promotion because with the extra finances, I'll be able to be a blessing to others. You you see, it's a really subtle difference, but often it's the why, it's the so that. When you pray from a kingdom of heaven perspective, you add the so that and you engage with the purposes of God rather than just asking God to fix the life on earth or change life on earth so it suits us better. Because often when we get consumed below the line, it's about our comfort. It's about what makes life more palatable for us. Kingdom of heaven. We're willing to endure a bit of suffering to see God's plan come to pass like Jesus was willing to so that we could know him. And so I think um, for you, what is it that you, what troubles are there and how can you pray from a kingdom of heaven perspective? How can you anchor in the realities of heaven in your circumstances? Because... The truth is, we know that what Jesus has done has brought healing, it's brought freedom, that we know that his desire is that we would be a blessing to others so that finances would flow. We know all of those things are God's desire. They are the realities of heaven. But sometimes life on earth doesn't match that. We go through sickness. We go through financial hardship, relationship strife, all of those things. We know they don't line up. So how come sometimes there's a bit of a gap between what we're hoping for and what comes to pass with the realities of heaven and what can we do in that, what does hope do for us when we anchor to that reality and we, we're facing perhaps with the climbing analogy, a rock to go over and we can't see the answer but we choose to walk in faith. What actually happens in that point? I think we get strengthened and again this is something Pastor Joel Holm brought out which really has encouraged me. We get strengthened in that weight. If you've heard um, some scriptures before, you may have heard this is an often quoted one, but applying it sometimes rather than just knowing it is a different thing. It's found in Isaiah 40. It says, But those who wait upon the Lord get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't grow, don't lag behind. That waiting, but those who wait on God, that waiting is hope, is putting hope in God. Those that in the midst of this anchor themselves in God, they soar like eagles. They run and don't grow weary. They walk and don't lag behind. The reality is that actually as we climb, we put one step in front of the other, or imagining pulling up over that awful rock and you can't see the answer. We're strengthened. Just like in the physical, if you climb, you're strengthened. And sometimes it burns. Sometimes it hurts. But as we walk out that, we won't grow weary and we will reach what God has promised and so the next slide has one with two climbers and um, I think sometimes we forget in our world that we're not just climbing for ourselves that sometimes we have to stop and we have to show others how to anchor to the realities of heaven amidst their troubles that we have to show them, hey, this is the lifeline to cling to. And you're not bringing them to yourself, but you're helping, God can work through you to anchor them to him. And it's like, hey, this is the lifeline. This is the reality of heaven in your circumstance. I'm gonna be there as you climb up it. I'm gonna walk with you in that. Because our hope is not just for us. And that miscarriage, it was never God's plan. I don't believe God intends for a child to die, but he has used that for good. And I've been able to walk with other women who face similar circumstances and bring hope and to show them the reality of heaven and to have them be able to um, cling to the promises of God in the same circumstances. Our hope isn't for us alone. When I was at Shout, one of the sessions that impacted me the most was a social, social justice one where we had the Children's Commissioner of New Zealand speaking. And he, at the end, he said, as Christians, we need to be merchants of hope We need to trade in hope, because in reality, that's what we've got to offer. Sure, in the place of trouble, we can do some really practical things. If someone's facing, you know, serious circumstances, we can come and we can give them meals, we can offer to help them, we can come alongside them and sit with them. But the difference we can offer is hope—that what they're facing right now is not the desire of God, it's not the kingdom of heaven reality. So we have to offer hope to people. Um, we should be. It should be a natural overflow of our Christian walk. We should be able to come to people when they're in that valley of trouble and show them the doorway of hope that God promises to anchor them to the realities of heaven. But you know, we can't do that alone because it's not us we want to anchor people to. It's God. We're pointing them to Him. And so there's another. Again scripture that you may have come across it's often quoted, but for me walking it out has been incredibly challenging. It's from Matthew eleven, twenty eight to thirty, because that scripture of Messiah talked about not growing weary, and again this one says to me, Come all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The, the yoke that they're talking about, if we go to the next picture, again, remember I'm not comparing you to an ox, but this is what the Bible is doing. Um, the yoke is the bit that joins the two ox together as two cows together. not even sure quite what they are. they look like cows to me, um, but they might be ox. Um, but the yoke is the bit and that God talks Jesus talks about yoke yourself to me. And that's how you can do this without getting weary. Practically speaking, there was a contest in Canada with um, ox, and the strongest ox managed to pull on its own 8,000 pounds. Whereas, And the runner-up was pretty close. So they thought, well, what about if we yoke them together? How much could they pull? And people were kind of like, well, you know, I reckon around 16,000 pounds, about double what they could, you know, about the sum of what they could pull on their own. And people kind of guessed slightly more, slightly less, but they thought it would be around that. Do you know that those ox pulled together 26,000 pounds? Far greater than the sum of what they could pull on their own. This is the picture we have of doing life with Jesus, is that actually when we yoke ourselves to him, we can do far beyond our own capacity. That scripture I talked about at the beginning, we can do exceedingly greater than we could ask or imagine through his power at work within us. He still needs us to be part of the picture, but with him, we don't get weary and we can do far more than we could do alone. If I could get the team to come back up, You know, I think it's really important for us to understand that our hope is not just for us. We certainly need it in those times of trouble as individuals. But actually, we're called to be merchants of that hope. Galatians 6, 9 to 10 says this. It says, So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we'll harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. You know, again, back to that picture, the simple picture that God keeps reminding me of, of life below the line, life on earth and the kingdom of heaven, living above the line, anchored to the reality of heaven. When we, when we only live in that realm of below the line, life on earth, we get weary, Those circumstances and those troubles, they're tiring and they really can wear us out. It's only by anchoring to the reality of heaven that we can continue and not become weary, that we're actually strengthened through the process, through walking through that process, that we become able to soar, to run, to walk. And an even bigger motivation has got to be for us is that we don't know who we are allowing to be anchored to the reality of heaven by seeing us go through that we influence, We can have an impact on others because we've been able to walk through that if we come back to that train track analogy and the last slide I've got is like a, com- a completed loop if our, uh, we're building on love, if we're building into this plan and that's our hope and our faith is putting those tracks together yes we walk through and God takes us through a doorway of hope, but we don't know as we build who will come along behind us. And because of the victories we've won, we'll have a track to go down so that they have already gotten further down the track and then they can start building off that. You know, when that saying, you stand on the shoulders of those that have gone before you, there are victories that my parents have won that enable me to be free so that I can face different ones. The reality is in our lives, when we anchor to the reality of heaven... We have victory in these times of trouble. We don't know who else we're enabling to get further on because of the, the battles we've won. So you don't know who actually is going to come in behind you and is going to use the tracks you're building right now. So I want to say to you this morning, what's your valley of trouble? What is it that you're facing that you need to anchor yourself to the reality of heaven no matter what it looks like that God is tenderly calling to you and wanting to put courage into you to be able to open that doorway of hope anchor to the, the realities of heaven and continue walking forward what is it, where are you? because you need to hear from God you need like I needed when I was pregnant with Chloe to be able to say All right, the rival's not going to provoke me this child is going to live because God promised it And I knew it, and I did not fear a bad outcome because God had promised me she would live. And remember, it's not just for you. You're called to be merchants of hope. So even if you're not in that valley of trouble, I undoubtedly know there are people around you that may just need you to come and stand with them and, and show them the door that God has in front of them so they can anchor to the reality of heaven rather than to the reality of life on earth in front of them. You know, there might be some of you this morning are saying that sounds great. It'd be awesome to have that lifeline you could just grab hold of in those times of trouble. But I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where the anchor is. And really, I want to say to you, the anchor at the beginning, what you need to do to be able to anchor yourself to that reality is to get to know Jesus. He has done everything. Like Pastor, well, that scripture, He has Done everything so that you can enter into a relationship with Him. And that is why He was willing to go through all that suffering on earth, because He knew it was God's plan. The reality from the Kingdom of Heaven was it's His plan so that each and every one of us could know God. And that's the opportunity He's given to us. Now, God has a plan and purpose for you. Like, you know, that picture with the ox. Yes, he'd love to come alongside you, and he's got an amazing plan that you will love, but that's not why he wants you to connect with him. He doesn't want you to connect with him because of what you'll do with him, that's just a byproduct and an awesome part of living with God. He just wants you to connect so you can get to know him. And so this morning, I want to give people the opportunity. Thank you for listening to this message recorded at Equippus Church Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit EquipersChurch.com.